Hello and welcome to the Seattle interview series number 20, episode 76 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Today I'm with Tyvis Powell, uh, Ohio State University alum, CFP national champion, five-year NFL veteran. How have you been lately? How have you uh, been, what have you been up to and how are things for you lately? Well, everything's been going well. You know, I uh, recently had a daughter last year. So I've been chasing her around. <laughs> that that has uh, taken up a lot of my time. I mean, I still find time in between to work out and stuff because I'm currently a free agent. But you know, I'm still working out, waiting for a phone call and making sure that I'm in shape. But my daughter takes up the majority of my time. <laughs> that's got to be exciting. Congratulations on that. You know, I know that's got to be something too that you got to juggle there. Um, so being from Ohio. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting in look and in, in researching this. Was there any consideration that you gave to Michigan State when that offer was uh, given to you, or was Ohio State <laughs> always the goal? Was it like, man, I don't really want this, or was it like, hey, this is an opportunity? You know, uh, when the Michigan State offer came, uh, I, I definitely considered it for sure. But you know, once I once I got Ohio State, it was kind of like. I know it was like I dreamed of this since I was a kid. It was like there was no way that I could like turn it down. Even though Michigan State, I ain't gonna lie, they, uh, the recruiter Pat Narduzzi was very uh, persuasive, and I, he actually, you know, he had me thinking about it. But I was like, no, nah, I, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting looking at. It. I was like, oh, there's a Michigan State offer there, and you know, being from Ohio, I figured that'd be something that might be interesting to think about, just because how long that uh, the rivalries run there between certain Michigan teams and Ohio teams. But speaking of, yeah, yeah, I could, I could, yeah. Uh, speaking of Ohio state, what initial thoughts did you have about urban Meyer? What were like your first impressions of him? Uh, well, I mean, before I met him, I mean, I had a ton of respect for him for what he did at Florida. I mean, I knew he was a great coach. I knew he had a, uh, coach some really great teams so I you know I kind of knew what to to expect with that you know after meeting him you know I realized he was kind of like a he was like a hard nose type guy like like he put like in front of the team like he's aggressive but like when when you one-on-one with him you know he he's more open and he's like listens to your life and tries to learn more about you but yeah he's definitely a he runs a, a tight ship, I should say. <laughs> he runs a tight ship for sure. So with that being said, what kind of influence would you say that, you know, he had on you as a coach and as a person? Oh, one thing I know is he definitely uh, made me become more of a competitor. Everything with him is about competing. So being at Ohio State, like I looked at things like this is a competition. Everything is a competition. Every, it don't matter what it is. Like being first in meetings, taking the best notes, uh, being a better student, everything was about competing. And like, that's where my life just kind of transitioned to where now I look at everything as a competition. Like, like for now, it's like me being the best father I could be in the world, be the best father. Like that, it's like it, that type of thing just translated through my life. So that's one thing I am grateful for. And with that being said, how do you think uh, his ability to coach, you know, obviously all the success at Ohio State, uh, and being the coach that you've talked about, how do you think that uh, will translate to the NFL with the Jaguars? 
Uh, one thing about Coach Meyer is that he knows how to win and he knows how to find, like, get people to play hard. Like, I don't know what was going on in Jacksonville to why they weren't successful before, but I do know with him, he's definitely going to make them compete and they're definitely going to be in a lot of games. He's going to find a, a scheme that fits them and uh, they're going to bring out a lot of greatness. A lot of players, you either going to, see, that's the thing, you either going to get with it or you're going to be gone type thing. So you have no choice to fall, but you have to fall in line. So, like, they're going to fall in line and the plan, if, if they follow the plan, the plan has been proven that it works. So he definitely knows what he's doing. It's just about the players buying into the culture that he's trying to bring, which, you know, it could be tough because like nobody likes change, you know, like they've been in it. Like, especially, especially if you like a six, seven year vet, it's like, who is this guy that's going to come here and try to tell me what to do? Like I've been doing this longer than you've been a coach in the NFL. So like, how are you going to tell me how it's supposed to go? But if you can put your ego to the side and just buy into what he's saying and just be all in, like that's, that's really what it takes. You have to, you have to put your heart and soul into it and just trust that it's going to work out and just buy in. And if you do that, then you'll definitely have more success than not. So, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts about uh, Tim Tebow signing with them as a tight end and how that <laughs> – I know that's uh, an interesting topic around the league. It you know is. I mean? <laughs> uh, it, you know, but like you those. said, if he buys in and he competes at the end of the day, you know, it obviously it depends on, you know, what happens in camp. But right. I, I'm curious to think uh, – to hear what you think about it. Well, everybody knows Tim Tebow is uh, a huge competitor and he's a, he's a great guy. You know, he's, he's something that, you know, everybody should want to be like, you know, like he's a positive role model, um, tough competitor. Um, just, he just over, he overcame a lot of things. So, you know, getting him to come in and play tight end, I mean, that's a new challenge for him, but you know, usually he does well with, with challenges like that. And I feel like if he comes in, like a, a lot of people feel that, you know, he's not deserving of it. It's more free agents out here who's played tight end all their careers and stuff like that, that may be more deserving of it. Well, I mean, honestly, if, if they do decide to sign him, I mean, it, I understand where the players, like the free agent players as tight ends, I see where they're coming from. I do. I get that 100%. Because it's, it's, it's kind of not fair because it's like, man, like this guy, I've never even played tight end and I played tight end my whole life. And like, I know I'm better than him. But if he goes in there and he does well and, you know, the coaches like him and he actually does well at tight end, I mean, you can't like go against that. Like, it is what it is. I I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, maybe – he's maybe he's not deserving of a shot but you know since him and coach Meyer are close and are friends I mean it's one of those situations where it's not about what you know it's who you know and yeah. if coach Meyer is willing to you know give him a chance and he actually is willing to do it and does well then I mean he he should make the roster like any other tight end in the world that makes the roster I mean this is at the end of the day it's about showing up and proving that you can be that person if he does that then he should be awarded by winning the position Obviously, like I said, you know, there's a, a lot of talk about it, but I, I was curious to hear what you would think as someone who's, you know, been in the league and spent time in there and reached that level, you know, because everybody yeah. can say what they want as a fan, comment, all that stuff. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, interesting like I say, I, I understand it from everybody's point of view. Like, <laughs> like it, it's not a fair thing at all. It's not fair that he's been out the league for like nine years, but because they get a new coach and he, the coach knows him that he gets a shot to come back. 
like that's not fair at all to the other tight ends that's that's free agents that's probably may be better than him but if he get if god has blessed him with an opportunity and he goes in and he shines i mean it is what it is he deserves to be there it'll uh it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out yeah i have i don't even think they even signed him yet have they, they still i don't trying i don't to figure yeah, out they details i just know that was like they're expected to sign him so <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't think he's actually put the pen to the paper yet so we'll we'll see uh what sorts of lessons did you learn in 2013 you know playing with ohio state there which included that orange bowl and then i'll get to the the teammates there in a second but you know that first year i believe you redshirted in 2012 what sort of things did you learn in 2013 Man, well, one thing I learned in 2013 is that <laughs> defense definitely wins championship. I mean, 2013, um, I was starting nickel. Uh, our defense wasn't the best defense. I mean, the only reason we was winning a lot of games is because our offense was dynamic. We had uh, Braxton, Carlos, uh, Philly, and all those were doing really well. So they were overcoming. So we were just basically outscoring teams. We wasn't stopping teams. We were just outscoring them. So uh, it caught up to us when we played Michigan State in the uh, Big Ten Championship. You know, they were – I think we were the number one offense in the Big Ten, and they were the number one defense in the Big Ten. And, you know, they just flat out just outplayed us that day. Um, that was the game that we needed the defense to come through. It was kind of – it kind of reminded me of the Buckeyes this past season where, you know, Ohio State's offense was really good, but their defense wasn't that great. And the offense was overcoming the defense's mistakes. And then it finally caught up to them in the end. That's basically what happened to us when we played in 2013. We played a great team who was – you know, they weren't really great on offense, but they had playmakers – and, you know, their defense was outstanding. And that's what happened. They ended up, the defense ended up making the difference and they ended up winning the game. So that's when I realized that defense truly does win championships. And, and I, I did a podcast and on my podcast, they was talking about how Nick Saban is saying that uh, defenses is not really that important as much as it is for offense. And I still, I beg to differ. <laughs> I beg to differ. I mean, I know I'm biased because I play defense, but yeah. Like I think a great defense always wins. Yeah, no that that's how I was uh, brought up. I've always thought that way. But I mean, hey. if they if they don't score, they can't win, right? <laughs> uh, and then to get to that, uh, the teammates part. How special was that locker room? Just because I mean, I looked I looked at the list and just some names I've seen throughout the NFL: Jack Muhart, Andrew Norwell, Pat Elfline. Pat Elfline was a, a second. Uh, the backup guard on that team. <laughs> uh Corey Lindsley, Taylor Decker, Nick Vanette who spent time with the Seahawks. Michael Thomas was on that depth chart. Like you said, Braxton Miller, Carlos Hyde, Bradley Roby, Von Bell. This is the secondary too. We get to you in the secondary, Von Bell, Eli Apple, uh, Joey Bosa, Ryan Chazier, who kind of special to me because he has alopecia and I have alopecia. I thought that was cool. Uh, and Zeke Elliott was on that team as well. What was that locker? Room? What was that locker room like? <laughs> you know what? We was a we was a pretty close group. Uh, we actually cared about each other a lot. Uh, we hung out a lot. Um, the obviously competition was crazy. <laughs> that was the good thing about having that type of talent is that you like you can never get caught slacking. Like you can't come to practice and think you know I'm gonna just. 
I don't feel like going today. Because if you feel like that, you're going to get embarrassed that day. And then somebody else, <laughs> you know, whoever your backup is, probably is is either as good as you or could be better than you. So you could potentially lose your spot. So it was it was a constant grind. And ultimately, everybody got better because of it. Yeah, I, I, I looked at the depth, the depth chart and just the, the roster. I was like, this, there were a lot of people <laughs> it, it, playing crazy, backup man. spots, you know. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, going to 2015, what, what was your experience like in that college football playoff championship game win against Oregon? You know, obviously one defensive MVP there, uh, with the game high nine tackles. What, what do you remember from that night? You know, whether it was just the game or the experience as a whole. Uh, the thing that I remember the most is that we had tremendous leadership, uh, our seniors that year. Uh, our defense, the seniors, I should say, was uh, Michael Bennett, our defensive tackle, uh, Curtis Grant, our starting middle linebacker, and then Duran Grant, he was our starting corner. And just their leadership, that whole, like, from the time we lost to Virginia Tech moving forward, man, that was some of the best leadership ever. It was, like, I, it just was so inspiring. I remember Curtis, Curtis gave this inspiring speech you know, before the game, and it just kind of, like, gave me chills, and I remember, like, telling myself that it's not about me, like, this, this game is not about me at all, like, I don't really care what happens to me, I just want to do whatever it takes to help my team win, you know, no matter what that may be, you know, it may be, I don't know, putting my fate on goal line, running down, going up against a running back, and the whole one-on-one on the goal line, by myself like that if that's what it takes to win this game and that's what I'm gonna do and and I remember that the only reason I felt like this because I had so much respect for my teammates and I, I truly I truly cared and loved them like I like it was to the point where I would step in front of them and take a bullet for them if need be and I haven't had that feeling in like when I, I've been playing football for a long time and I feel like that was one of the rare moments that I ever felt like that and mm-hmm. It turns out that that was like the formula and the recipe that you need to succeed in college to win a national championship is that you got to be willing to be selfless and do whatever it takes to help your team win. And that game was the that game was the number one time I felt like I actually put everything and gave everything I had in me to make sure that my team would win. I remember I remember personally being happy about that game just because Oregon lost. And I was like, hey, that's fine with me being a Husky over here. Uh, wasn't too happy about the Rose Bowl a few years ago, but, you know, yeah. it, it, that was a really good team, too. I can't complain about that. Um, so I want to transition to the NFL here. Do you remember your combine experience in a positive or negative light? Because I know uh, I spoke with Miles Gaskin uh, for my first interview here. Um, and he said that was not the best time for him just because of how things went and how much of a, a whirlwind, I guess, that was. How do you remember your NFL yeah. Combine experience? The, it was the Combine was, it's a grind. You know, it's, I mean, obviously as a kid, you know, you growing up as a football fan, you look at it every year, you're like, man, I just, I hope one day that I can get there to the Combine. I promise you when you get to the Combine, Yo, number one thought is, man, I can't wait for this combine. <laughs> because it's, it's definitely a mental grind those first few nights. You know, you don't get as much. You don't get a lot of sleep. You got meetings. Uh, you got to do weigh-ins and all type of stuff. It's just, it's a lot. 
But I remember finally getting to the last day, the fourth day, the day we did drills. And I just thought to myself, like, like you know what? I'm a, I don't want to get here and not do what I know I'm capable of doing. You know, I want to make sure that I have a good showing. And I'm like, at this point, Tigers, man, you've been playing this game for so long. And you put in all this hard work and dedication, like, training even like my combine training i remember i never missed a day like that was my thing i anytime we had a, a weight session or something like that like either way it was drills or whatever i made sure that i was there i remember i went to the senior bowl <coughs> prior to going to the combine and when i came back they was like type just take a take a couple of days off you know you just did the senior bowl take some days off i got off the plane and i remember going right to the next weight room session and they was looking <laughs> at me like type what are you doing here like type don't do that like you need your your body needs a break and i'm just like i just lift light but i just can't like not go yeah and i remember after just sitting in my my little room at the combine thinking to myself like reflecting back on all that like man i did i put in all this work it would be a shame for me not to go out there and and perform the way i know i can and you know sometimes you know that's where nervous nerves come in at. it's like man i could have done this better i wish i would have did spent more time doing this well i didn't have none of that so it was like i i did everything i know i should have been doing so that's why when I went out to do the, the combine, I was confident in myself. And, you know, my combine was, I mean, it was pretty good. It, it was everything that I thought that I would do, I did exactly what I thought I would do. You know, only thing I was mad about was uh, maybe the pro shuttle and uh, three cone because, and the L drill, because I'm going to tell you why. They set me up. See, I didn't know that they was going to make me do it after we did all the position drills. So I was kind of oh. gassed. Yeah, I was kind of gassed already. <laughs> I'm like, that. that's really not fair, though. Like, like, it's not fair that you're going to make me do that, knowing that I'm tired from the position drills. But it is what it is. You know, life throws, life throws you these, wrink, these wrinkles. You got to just get through it. You know, do the best you can. So I hopped the hurdle. I mean, like I said, my, my times wasn't great, but I mean, they wasn't off that far off of what they should be. So mm -hmm. I was kind of content with it. <laughs> uh, do you think that sometimes people, whether it's media or, or even teams sometimes might take some of those drills too seriously or uh, too much into account? Just cause yes. Yes. 100%. The only drills, the only thing that they should take into account is the position drills. Any of that other stuff, I don't think it really matters because like, it's just not like you're going to be doing it in football. Like you're yeah. not, you're never ever going to run a 40 yard dash straight line with nobody on you and think you're just going to run down. Boom. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, and you're going to have to weave at some point or something. So that that's <laughs> false. Like broad jumping, you're not about to broad jump over a whole line or something like that. Like it's <laughs> not. What's the point? <laughs> so yeah, a lot of those drills don't make sense to me. But you know, I guess, I guess it just shows athleticism. I guess I don't know. I don't. It is what it is. Like I said, the only drills that matter to me is position drills. Because if you go do an NFL workout for teams, some teams don't even put you through no combine. You just do straight position drills because they want to see how you move, which mm -hmm. is important. Yeah, I, I always, you know, see someone takes into a sock, oh, this guy's three cone was not that good. I'm like, does it really matter? He played. That's what I'm saying. I was just there. <laughs> <laughs> and like like you're saying with the 40, it's, well, even that, and then, I mean, there's no pads. You run in pads when you play in the game. So I Exactly, yeah. So like, I, that, that 40 thing is like, it, it's, it's nice to say, like, yeah, I ran this time and I ran this fast time, but like, 
that it doesn't matter. Like, like it's so many fast receivers in the NFL, but if they being checked by a veteran cornerback that knows what he's doing, they're never even going to reach that four three or that four two because the guy's going to be on top of the route the whole time. It's going to stop them from running that fast. So it's like it's it doesn't matter. What sort of emotion did you feel when you got the call from Seattle to join them as an undrafted free agent? And do you, what do you remember from that call? Because uh, I know obviously that's not the route that people want to go and that's something that's difficult. But what, what do you remember from getting that call uh, <laughs> and how it went? I remember talking to Coach. I think I want to say it was Coach Dre, who was the DB coach. He was like, uh, he's like, you know, I, hey, I got, I want you now. You got to come. You know, we can, like, we're going to do some great things here. I'm going to make you great, blah, 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 all that. And I just remember, like, it just sounded so sincere. And I know, I know deep down he wanted to draft me. Like, but they didn't, I don't think they drafted any DBs that year. So that was kind of the thing that I looked at and was like, okay, you know, they didn't, if they would have drafted a DB, like a safety or something like that, then I wouldn't have respected it as much. But the fact that they didn't draft no DBs that year, it was kind of like maybe, you know, I mean, obviously they had the LOB. So it was like, you know, <laughs> they didn't need to at the point at the time. So I'm like, I respect that. You know, I can, I can go in there and, you know, grind it out and still learn from some of the, some of the best to ever play this game. So that that was how that conversation went. And I mean, I just felt good. And I felt I knew my future would be bright because worst case scenario, if I don't make the team, I'm learning from the best in the game. And that's going to help me become successful wherever I go. So that's what how that conversation went. What do you remember from your time, you know, with the organization and, you know, whether it's uh, being with the team as a whole or from the, the fans in the, the what Seattle? Man. What do you remember? That that organization was great. Um, it was like, okay, so me being from Ohio, you know, my obviously that's a long way. But yeah. I remember being out there and being so comfortable that I never felt like home was that far away. Like I felt like I felt at home there, if that makes sense. I remember just the the energy that they had. It was like, man, I can't wait to get up and go to practice. Like I was I was excited to get in that building to be around everybody because they was just so fun and they it's just like we grinded for sure, but it was like so fun to do it and just to be around the people there. It was just great people. Uh, the people in the front office was great. You know, they were they kept they were honest with us. It was just the it was the perfect place for me to be. Like I I truly love my time in Seattle. So that's what I remember about being in Seattle. So I know you talked about uh, Coach Urban Meyer being a competitive guy and competing. Yes. What What were your uh, thoughts on <laughs> Pete Carroll there, and how your uh, What were your th- first impressions there? And I know that I've seen some people be like, be critical of him because uh, uh, you know, obviously, when Richard Sherman left, uh, a couple of guys left, Earl Thomas, or was like, oh, you know, this guy, the old compete thing gets old. Do you have any thoughts on that, as well as your first impressions of Coach Carroll? Well, I tell you what, uh, Coach Carroll was <laughs> he was. It, all right, so him and Urban kind of had – they had the exact same values. Like, it was compete, play hard, and stuff like that. But the difference was is that Urban Meyer has – he has some fun to him. Like, he'll let you have fun at times. 
But with Coach Carroll, it's like you can you can be free to be who you are. Like if you want to have fun with it, that's cool. Like because he has fun with it. I don't even think I remember a time Coach Carroll was even like worried. Like he always <laughs> he always walked around with chewing that gum, man. And it's just like he was always positive. Like I know we're gonna come back and win no matter what the school is. He's like, oh, we good. We're gonna come back and win type thing. And I used to be like, man, this man is crazy. Like, I, I don't know how you feel like that's about to happen. And then it ended up happening. It just be like, I told you so. And I used to just be laughing. Then the thing about him is that, like, he kind of, he used to sit next to me in meetings. And, like, me and him were talking during meetings. And he just, uh, he's just a funny man. Like, dude, just, <laughs> dude, hilarious. As far as, like, letting, like, Sherm and Earl go, I mean, like, eh, like, I, I understand like what he thought, like, you know, cause they have a system, they have a system and a scheme in Seattle. And, you know, sometimes they think, uh, sometimes organizations think like the scheme is bigger than the player. Like, you know, we could just plug in somebody here. Like if he just, we can just plug the, this scheme is so good that we can find somebody to plug in right here. And we don't have to pay them all that money that we would have to pay like the girls and the Sherms of the world. And they can still get the job done because it's not that hard of a scheme to learn. But what I think they starting to find out is that the players do kind of matter. Like, like the, yeah, the scheme is great, but you still need to have that great player to be in that scheme as well. So I think that I think it's one of those things that, you know, they tried it and they see that it's really not uh, what they thought it would be. And it's kind of biting them a little bit. But I'm, they figuring it out. They're getting it back now. I mean, they, they, they're not. I mean, their secondary wasn't great last year, but they got, you know, they're getting great players to to replace. So I think moving forward, I think it'll it'll start getting better for sure. I know that uh, Richard and the team have talked about it, you know, and I, I think that uh, after the post game post draft press conference, they said they're not looking at a cornerback. I know everybody here would love to have him back, but you know, uh, speaking of the secondary, there, do you have any thoughts on what Jamal Adams did last year? I know there's. Uh, being someone who knows a little bit about the the NFL community, like on yeah. social media, there's clowning him about being a blitz boy or whatever, and that he's not a true safety. Do you, as someone who is a safety, yeah, thoughts on what he's been doing and whether or not you know? Well, for for him to be able to do what he did and break the record like he did, I mean, that's that's outstanding. I mean, see, that's the thing. People would call what he's doing like uh, anybody could do that. No, they can't. Like it, it's not it, what he's doing is 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 unreal at times. Like the man, dang near was up there in the leaders of sacks this year as a DB. Like that that does not happen all the time. You know that's that's just a team taking somebody's talent and utilizing it. You know he's obviously he's an outstanding blitzer. He can get to the quarterback. Like let's use that. You know, so that's what they're doing, and it's smart on their on their part. I think I think Jamal Adams is a heck of a player. I think he's. I mean, every year he's like all. He's either first team All Pro or second team All Pro every year. So I mean, the proof is there. Uh, I mean, and some people uh, question him about his coverage. You know, some people like can he he can't cover and stuff like that. I mean, he gets the job done at times. I mean, it's not like he's perfect. I mean, there's no really no safety that really locks up receivers like that, like that it's, that's why you get nickels and corners. That's their job, you know, safeties, you know, your job is to, 
depending on what safety you are, you either the last line of defense playing the middle of the field roaming, or you that you're like a linebacker in the box that can buzz and can move well, really well. And Jamal Adams is more of a quote unquote linebacker type safety where, you know, he covers well in in zones and he's a blitzer. I mean, they're utilizing him right. I don't, so I don't, I hope that answers your question. I know oh, that's oh, a lot. Yeah. Your well, you know, uh, like like I spoke about uh, with a couple of things earlier, it's important for me to hear, you know, from someone who's been in those shoes and been in those facilities as opposed yeah. to some kid on Instagram was calling him Blitz Boy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah, that, yeah. Like I say, people people always tend to try to they nitpick, and that's the problem with with sports nowadays. Like they nitpick everybody. Like like for example, LeBron James is one of the greatest to ever do it, but they nitpicking. You know, it's like like. He can't do this. Well, why don't you appreciate him for what he can do and not try to worry about what he can't do? Like, he's great at something. He's utilizing his greatness for that. Like, Jamal Adams is a great blitzer. He's a great football player. He's very energetic. I'm pretty sure he's a great leader. Like, like let's just appreciate those things instead of worrying about what he can't do. I'm pretty sure he knows the things that he can't do. And if the team knows what he can't do, they won't put him in a situation so he, like, causes them a game or something like that. And if that's the case, I'm pretty sure he's going to spend his offseason, all his off time trying to fix whatever things he's not good at. That's what pros do. You work on the things that you're, you're weak at. And I'm pretty sure he's going to come out this year and he's going to prove people wrong. So his coverage is probably going to be really good this year. I, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that it's probably going to be a lot better than what it was. So, you know, taking – to further uh, speak on, you know, your perspective as a player – uh, with the whole Russell Wilson thing, people uh, owe a lot of it because, I mean, being in, you know, covering these Seattle sports, I had to hear it all. Oh, you know, Russell wants out. Russell's a crybaby. When a, a player like that, I mean, just says that he wants better protection, did you have any thoughts on that when that happened? Or, uh, you know, looking back at oh. it, they brought Jackson <laughs> and drafted a tackle. Uh I mean, you were you were part of the a uh, couple teams with Seattle here. Do you yeah. have any thoughts on you know him asking for better protection or wanting to you know prioritize something like that? Because yeah. for a while, you know, I think he I think he definitely deserves it. I mean, he definitely was. The thing about what made Russell so special when I was there and the year a couple few years after that was that he was like a magician. You know, he was. He, he definitely got pressured a lot, but it was his ability ability to escape the pressure and make a, a, a great throw. And I mean, you know, he's getting older now. So it's like, you know, I can't he can't do that like he used to, obviously. And I mean, him asking for better protection. What quarterback don't want better protection? I don't know why I want to sit there and run around all game and have to run around from this. Like, I want to sit in the pocket and make some clean throws out the pocket as well. And I mean, like I say, I, I mean, I respect it. I understand why he's saying that. Like, it's like, I'm getting older now. I can't do that things like I used to do. But I mean, I'm still an effective quarterback. You know, he's still one of the top quarterbacks in this game. And I think Seattle owes it to him to give him a give him some protection to see how great he can truly be because we don't know how good he could be in a clean pocket because we haven't really seen it. So it's it's about that time for them to come through for him. You know, he's done all he's can for them. You know, he's made he's been very successful for them. And all he's asking for now is a it's a decent line to provide him some extra time to make the better throw. And I feel like they owe that to him. So with that being said, to move on from Seattle here, uh, of the organizations that you've been with, who if if I had to make you pick 
who had the nicest training or practice facility and what would make you say? <laughs> the nicest training and practice. Okay, that is definitely between Seattle and Dallas because Dallas stuff is really, I mean, it's Jerry's world, so you, yep. you probably can already know. <laughs> it was it was hands down Seattle, but until I went to Dallas, Dallas took that. So it, Dallas might have the better training facility. But as far as people and organization and energy and enthusiasm and love to come to work, Seattle hands down. San Fran is a close second, but Seattle hands down. How fun has it been for you uh, recording the podcast Roommates? I know you kind of talked about recording it. Uh, <laughs> what how what has that experience been like? That is fun, man. That's just me and, me and Cardio, man. As a matter of fact, I just uh, we actually just did one uh, earlier. Uh, it's just it's a ton of fun, man. It's like me and Cardio. I mean, me and Cardio talk all the time, but it's like, man, me and him being on camera, it's like we just like we click together it's like you know we bounce ideas off of each other and we just basically it's like it's like we don't put on a front for the camera like it, mm. this is how we are like this is just two of this is how we would talk if we on camera or off camera this is just how we would talk they just so happen to be giving us topics to talk about and it's just it's fun man it's just a good thing you know it's it's not playing football but it's, it's it does bring me a joy so this one's a little bit more on the joking side. Uh, <laughs> Cardell tweeted out a while ago. I'm sure you're, you might know what I'm talking about. The we're not here to we're play, play school, play school. We're here to play you, school. You remember That's what that? <laughs> and what that? Uh, what you were thinking back then? Or uh... <laughs> you know, when Cardell said it, okay, so he said it to me. He uh, he he tweeted it out, and we walk in. Me and him is walking together. And he says, yeah, man, I just put this tweet out talking about we ain't come here to play no school. And I looked over at him. I said, you said what? <laughs> what you do? He said, I just tweeted out. Now, mind you, as he's telling me this, his phone starts blowing up. Oh, no. Everybody starts calling. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Cardi, I think you might have messed up. <laughs> I mean, you messed up with this one. That's one of them things you just you think it, but you don't say it. Like you just let people think that. You know, you're golly. I think he learned a valuable lesson. So it was it was what it is crazy. But I mean, at least you know what he was thinking at the time. Yeah. No, it's it's been uh it was cool to see him in the XFL and uh you know, seeing the podcast was cool. But yeah, I remember I was thinking about that tweet. I was like, man, I gotta know what you were think what it was uh yeah, he he was, was like crazy. <laughs> I said definitely you crazy, bro. You did. You might have messed up on this. <laughs> uh, so what are your thoughts as a player on the NFL switching to the 17 game schedule? What is were there? Yeah, how do how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the <laughs> game? Um, you know, at first, you know, I thought about it. I was thinking to myself, you know, obviously nobody wants to do that, you know, unless you know, they needed an extra bye week, you know. But then I realized that, okay, they took a preseason game out and then they just basically put it at the end. So for a guy who's not like a high draft pick, I would say, now you're going from – because in the in camp you get a ball, you make roughly, what, $1,000 a week or something like that for a preseason game, you make a 1000 So you're taking one of those $1,000 games out and now they're putting an the extra – I don't know, $16,000 in your pocket for an extra game. You're going to have to play the game, whether it's the preseason or not. 
So, I mean, basically, it's still the same thing. So it's it's really people making it a big deal, but it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. And and on top of that, you know, the vet the veterans would say, well, I don't play the last preseason game. Well, if you go out there and handle your business, you know, the first few games, the first, I don't know, 16 games, you know, likely you'll sit the last game anyways. It'll be just like a preseason game, but you'll be getting paid more. So I mean, it, it is what it is. Like it, it's, it's still the same amount of games. Like it is what it is. I, I don't really. That's my thoughts on it. I mean, at the end of the day, I play. I like playing football. I love to play football, whether it's preseason, regular season, whenever. I just, as long as I got an opportunity to play the game, I just want to play. So just to touch back on Ohio State one last time, just. Truly, how ridiculous was the Justin Fields slander, and how dumb do you think this looked? <laughs> We're not pick. I I thought it was. I mean, I'm not an Ohio State fan, like I said, you know, but I thought that was incredibly stupid. Yeah, um, see him slide. I was like, this is a little ridiculous. So, yes. you know, as someone who knows more of the situation, what are your it thoughts was, on that? It's just one of those things, man. Where, like, I I don't I, for them to say the the work ethic thing like that. That's that's asinine because, I mean, they, if you don't know, they, the strength coach at Ohio State, you you can't not have a great work ethic. And it's, it's, it's impossible, especially if you're the quarterback there. You have the hardest work ethic of all. They hold you to the highest standard. So I'm not really buying that at all. Uh, and I think, you know what, I, I really believe that, you know, a lot of people just fell into that, you know, he went to Ohio State. And, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks obviously haven't done well in NFL. And that's that's the thing that a lot of people battle with. Well, my thought is this. This is my thought with a lot of people, with a lot of players and a lot of teams. If you are you you are that great of an organization and that great of a coach, you will make sure that that player will be 100 percent ready. It's your job. Once he gets there, it's your job to make sure that he's ready. And you're not supposed to put him on the field until he's ready. until you feel that he's ready. And I feel like, you know, he's he dominated the game of college football. Like, the, the stats says it. He took him all the way to the championship. He went through all that adversity, got hit in the ribs, made all these spectacular plays, all that. So he answered the question about the toughness. He answered the question about leadership, his motives, all that. All that's answered. Obviously, he can make all the throws. I mean, he had games where he had more touchdowns than incompletions in a game. Like, that's unheard of. Like, now that he's in your organization, it's up to you. Like, it's your job to make sure that he turns out to be what you expect him to be. And if he doesn't, then that's your fault. Like, I don't know why people it, – it's simple as that. I don't know who why you try to blame it on other things. And, oh, yeah, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done well. Well, this is your chance to change that. You can be that – like, the Bears can be the, the team to make sure that this quarterback from Ohio State is a great quarterback in the NFL. So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I have uh, I have a friend who's uh, goes to school in Chicago now, and I remember he was being excited about that. But like I said, I was I just thought that was ridiculous, and I wanted wanted to hear your thoughts on that. So, with that being said, and you talking about you know wanting to go out and play the game of football, um, would you if when it comes back, would you give thought to playing in the XFL at all? Uh, just to go out there and showcase your talent or is that something that you're you're just kind of trying to work out now and uh, just aiming to you know get with an NFL team at this point I don't know that's one of those things I have to cross that bridge when it comes I mean at the thought right now I feel like I am 
I feel like I'm good enough. Well, I don't feel like I know that I am good enough to be in the NFL 100%. Like, I, I know that. I've had, I had a ton of success. I know that I can play. Mm-hmm. It's just about getting that opportunity. I don't, I don't feel like I had a lot of fair opportunities to showcase that. And I feel like I owe it to myself. That's probably what keeps me up at night is that, like, I know I have all the talent and the, the promise in the world to do it. It's just I haven't had a fair opportunity to do it. I've started one game in the NFL and done really well in that game so it was kind of like you know that was like my oh yeah I definitely <laughs> I definitely, that's that's kind of you go your whole career you know you know you some people get in and, and they show that they can't do it like it, it is what it is but for me I've had so much success that it's like I know I can do it I've done it so I don't know what the problem is but you know, I, I, I can't rest until I, I can't, I can't walk away knowing that I was good enough to play and just didn't keep trying. You know, you never know. I, one of the quotes that I read recently was that uh, you can knock it. If you, if you, nobody can hear you, but if you knock at the door long enough and loud enough, somebody is surely certain to come hear you and come open that door after a while. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Oh yeah. And uh like you said, it's just about opportunity. And, you know, sometimes that arrives like that. Sometimes it might take a while. So, yeah, you know, uh, is there anything that Tyvis Powell wants to put out there, promote anything you need, to, anything coming up or you just working and, and uh, chasing around your daughter at the time? <laughs> no, I'm just working out and chasing out, chasing my daughter at the time. Uh, I just, I mean, I ain't got no, it's not like I got any workouts upcoming or anything like that. Uh, I am doing a, a I'm doing a, uh, it's this cruise for cancer, but it's on land. It's this Buckeye cruise for cancer. Mm. I'll be at that next month, you know, hanging out with the cancer survivors. I always do it every year. We have a great time. I learned so much from them and they, they are so inspiring. They stories, some of their stories, it's just inspiring. Like we, I'm talking about the game football and they talking about things that went on in their life and they survived that. And it just kind of it's very motivating and it makes me feel like a like I don't know, it's like good for the soul to be around people like that and you know, be there to help them and have fun with them and enjoy life with them. Cause you know, life is, you know, you get caught up in this, like I've been working, working out all this time, and it's like, man, do I even sit down and enjoy life? And like that's my one time where I actually sit down and enjoy life with people that survived and made it through the worst things in life. So so uh, Buckeye Cruise for Cancer on Land? Yes, that's it. <laughs> gotcha. All right, I'll put that, uh, I'll link that in the description there. Um, but I really appreciate having you on. I really, really enjoyed the conversation just because whether it was talking about Cardale's tweets or, you know, your experiences and just, you know, seem to have fun with it. So I appreciate, you know, taking time out of your day, uh, taking time out of chasing the little one around and um, just thank you. I appreciate you. It was good to uh, open up and talk about these days. Uh, relive my Seattle days, man. It was some good times, man. It was a really good time. Baba Bowie.